Welcome to Divorce Explained, the podcast where we answer your questions and navigate the process of divorce together. Sharing real stories and personal experiences, this is your guide through it all. With your hosts, family law specialist Steve Benmore and divorce lawyer and strategist Leanne Townsend. So I am thrilled to wrap up the year with you, Leanne, and talk to our viewers on the subject of how to divorce-proof your marriage uh, in 2024. And so I thought we would just do a bit of a roundtable and talk about what we know are some of the drivers of marital discord and therefore uh, conflict leading to separation and oftentimes leading to divorce. And if we could actually use our knowledge of what causes relationships to end and share that with the viewers so that they might consider, hmm, how can I avoid that eventuality from happening so that we do not end up ending our relationship in 2024? I thought that would be a great way to wrap up the year and then, of course, share with our viewers our well wishes for the year to come. What do you think? I think that's a great idea. Uh, let's have a, a positive uh, topic uh, in an area where sometimes it's harder to find positive topics. So I think it's a great way to Very good. So I'll let you go first, and uh, I look forward to hearing some of your ideas. Okay. So um, one of the things I think people can do to help divorce-proof their marriage is to prioritize each other. Um, I think that a lot of couples, when they start a family and they have children, um, let's be honest, children can put a tremendous strain on a relationship. Uh, they, you know, suddenly you went from prioritizing yourself all the time to having these other people or other person that you have to put ahead of yourself and you're balancing all these other things. And uh, I think a lot of couples, when they have children, children, uh, of course, become the priority, but then they neglect the relationship and they don't have adult time together they don't have date nights they don't do things together as a couple anymore it's all about doing things as a family doing things with the children and in from what i've seen that's a mistake um couples need to connect to each other as you know as a couple uh, as adults um not always with their children present and it's really really important to take that time and still prioritize uh doing things together without the children um, in order to um, keep your relationship uh, alive. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I, I've seen that time and time again, whereby my clients hire me to draft applications or answers or affidavits or case conference briefs where there's a section on cause of separation. And in that section, what you just said, Leanne, happens to be something that I have heard all too many times in 30 years, that the person who is asking me to write it would like me to write that they felt uh, ignored, isolated, unimportant, irrelevant in the relationship. And uh, as a result, the relationship fell apart. Sometimes people use that as a basis for the explanation as to why they did what they did, meaning the reason why I had an extramarital affair was because she or he didn't listen to me, didn't pay attention to me, didn't, didn't nurture the relationship with me. I, I was very much isolated in this relationship and 
found affection and attention elsewhere as a means of explaining why the relationship ended due to infidelity. So very, very well said. I completely agree. Um, you know, people have often asked me, you know, what's the number one cause of divorce? As though there is this one cause of divorce. And jokingly, I say, I actually have the answer. The number one cause of divorce is marriage. <laughs> and ha ha ha. Um, but there's some truth to that. But not so much marriage as in who you marry, what you know about the person who you are marrying, how you and the person that you want to marry manage not just the good moments when everybody's happy and everyone's all looking good, smelling good, behaving good, but how do you handle difficult moments, hard moments? Moments when you don't agree on something. Moments when the relationship is challenged by outside forces like other family members or friends or job loss or illness or death in the family. How do people behave in those very difficult times? And what is each person's overall health? How's their physical health? How's their mental health? If you ended up dating and potentially marrying somebody who already was showing signs of illness, whether it's mental illness or physical illness, and you knew that, can you predict how you're going to behave when things get worse and worse and worse? I mean, very rarely do we hear people say, I want to be my spouse's nurse. Rarely is that the case. Now, are there spouses that are nurses? Absolutely. And do they do it from a place of love, affection, and commitment? Yes, most of the time. But people need to think about what is the state of my spouse's or my fiance's health? And so, although we're talking about divorce-proofing your relationship in 2024, I mean, some of the viewers are not engaged or are not married. And so for those people, I say, really study who are you? What makes you tick? What makes you angry? What makes you annoyed? What causes you resentment? What sort of uh, needs do you have? Now, then do the exact same analysis on your spouse, on your partner, on your boyfriend, on your girlfriend. Do the exact same analysis. What do they need? What makes them tick? And then see if you can connect the dots. And if the, if the dots connect, and it seems maybe not perfect, but pretty close to equality and equilibrium and a nexus between the two columns, then maybe you two have the necessary ingredients you take your relationship to the next level and get married, and you are therefore divorce-proofed in 2024 and possibly for a very, very long time because you've done that analysis. And if the analysis results in recognizing that there are some serious gaps 
in the two sides, there's a lack of bridging between the two lists, then maybe the time is right for a conversation to maybe uncover and understand and determine whether this is something that could actually work. And if it can't, it's appropriate to have an honest conversation with whether the relationship can withstand the challenges that life will throw at it. Life will throw challenges at each person. But separate and apart from the challenges that each person has, life will throw challenges at the couple. And the question is, how strong is the union that, that could withstand the pressure, the pressure of job loss, death, terminal illness, loss of other friendships, potentially the need to move to other places to maintain employment. And then on top of it, what you just said a few minutes ago, Leanne, really challenging parenthood. Parenthood that involves possibly children that have physical or mental health problems. These are severe challenges that people have to think about. How would you handle that? And if the answers, the honest answers, are more consistent than inconsistent, then you've now divorce-proofed your marriage for 2024. I, I couldn't agree more. And my next point kind of ties in with that because I think that one of the most important aspects of any relationship, and this is something you can assess before you get married, is how you communicate with one another and how well you communicate with one another. And um, having good communication between you and your partner is key to divorce proofing your marriage. If uh, you're uncomfortable talking about certain things before you get married, um, that's likely not going to change after you get married, and, and that should be a flag. So, you know, for example, a lot of people are uncomfortable talking about money. Um, and, you know, those money conversations are definitely something you should be having before you get married because it, it's not romantic, but reality is money and paying bills and incomes and all of that is a very important part of the world we're in and our lives. And so when you get married, those things um, are very important and th they're often areas where there can be a lot of issues between couples that result in, in divorce. Um, you know, different money styles, different priorities with respect to money, different work ethics, different life goals that tie in with finances are some of the major causes um, of divorce. So it's really important to have those conversations before you get married, not be uncomfortable about it, uh, to make sure that you are on the same page as your partner. And tying in with communication as well is how you disagree or fight with each other. I mean, I think it's normal uh, for couples to have disagreements. No two people are going to be on the same page about every single issue. Um, you know, that's probably a flag in itself if you are, because there should be some things where maybe you have a different opinion. And how you express your disagreement or how you argue is super, super important. There's a lot of research out there that shows that, you know, couples who argue by name calling and swearing at each other and raising their voices and dis basically using a disrespectful communication style, they have a much lower chance of uh, divorce proofing their marriage um, and having a successful, healthy relationship. Because if you're calling your partner names and swearing at them and disrespecting them, um, 
it's it's very hard to take you can't take those words back once they're out there i mean you can apologize but you can't take them back and so having a respectful communication style is super important and also understanding that your partner can't read your mind and you know a lot of people you know they get mad at their partners when they think their partner should have realized something or done something for them or realized they wanted something done and I think that it's it's unrealistic to to think that your partner is going to be able to you know do meet all of your needs and do everything the way you want them to do it uh, without you having to express what those needs are, express what you need done, and that's again part of the communication. If 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 your partner is doing something that's upsetting you or isn't doing something that you think that they should be doing you need to tell them. And again, you don't need to do it in an accusatory, argumentative way. You can do it in, in just uh, an open, respectful way uh, that's an invitation to have a conversation rather than an argument. And, um, you know, sometimes I know for myself, like that type of stuff has come with, you know, life experience and wisdom and maturity and having different relationships over the course of my life. I think my communication style in a relationship is very different you know, in, in my 50s than it was when I was in my 20s. Um, but those of you out there who are, you know, in your 20s, who might be listening to this, um, you know, you can learn from the experience of those of us who are older and, and you know, prioritize communication and, and really make sure that you and your partner are have a good communication level before you get married. And that'll help divorce proof the relationship down the road. Excellent. Um, and so we talked about people that are in a relationship we talked about people that are in a relationship that might be leading into marriage or a more of a permanent uh, uh, st status um, I'd like to talk about those that are sort of in the middle um, and further along the line we've seen a lot of senior divorces in the last 15 years can't believe it it's the actual highest category of growing divorce rate when you talk about the divorce rate the divorce rate between people 20 and 30 30 40 40 50 are all dwarfed by the rate of divorce of people 50 and older and there's a lot of reasons for that we're not going to get into that right now but i would say this um there seems to be a trend that there are people that are unhappy in their relationship and they hold it together for years, if not decades, and then they act on it after a certain period of time, often after the kids graduate high school or university or after some event occurs like retirement. And so the question becomes, why? Why is this happening? And, of course, I'm not a social scientist or a psychologist, so I'm not going to give you the scientific answer. But what I do see from my perspective is there is a decreasing level of commitment to the relationship. And people are showing higher signs of self-centeredness mm -hmm. and a lower inclination of generosity, spiritual, emotional, psychological generosity so perfect example your spouse says something to you and it upsets you because you've interpreted it 
a certain way and it festers. And then it happens again and again. This might happen when you're out with another couple and your spouse says something to you or to the other person in front of you, about you. And so these things begin to build their own sort of uh, life. And that grows and it snowballs and it then results in arguments and conflict and, of course, separation. Because after 10 or 20 or 30 years of being with someone, um, you've, you're carrying a lot of baggage. You know, at the beginning, it might have been a small little bag and then more and more. And by the, by the 30th or 20 or 30th or 40th year of the relationship, you've got enough luggage to fill up Pearson Airport. And so the question becomes, why has this luggage accumulated? And why hasn't anybody dealt with it or, or, or addressed it? And it may very well be that the other person has a whole set of luggage on you. And so this is now setting the stage for what might be a breakup later in life. And so some tips on this is, number one, don't look for happiness from the other person. If, if the pursuit is happiness, each person should be happy inside of themselves first. You should be finding the light inside of yourself. And if you find the light inside of yourself, you will shine that light outside of yourself. And that light will shine on the other person. And this is where it's symbiotic. Because if you're shining light on the other person, that person will be affected by that light. And there's a higher probability that that light will shine positively on you. But if each side is in darkness that darkness is going to envelop the relationship and lead to the demise of the relationship. So number one, find the happiness, find the sadness, find the satisfaction in life inside of you and then share that with the other person. It offers a higher probability that they will do the same thing as opposed to shining darkness on the other person because there's darkness inside of you that's number one number two is try to be the lightness for the other person like deliberately try to be the person that brings ease comfort satisfaction inner harmony to the other person check in on them ask them how they're doing do those little things like leaving a post-it by their bedside table that says something kind, sending a message, a text message in the middle of the day when it's least expected. When you're at the store, pick up a little trinket for $5 and say, I was thinking about you and I bought this little thing at the gas station, like a little stuffed animal that may be the size of like a tennis ball, whatever that might be. It's not silly to do that even when you're 50, 60, 70, or 80. There's no explanation for a 60, 70, or 80-year-old to say, uh, that's not me anymore. What does that even mean? Because the relationship is still there. So therefore, that relationship needs to be fed no different than a fresh relationship that's a seedling. You wouldn't stop watering a plant that you've had for 20 years because you've had it for that long, 
why would you stop watering a relationship that's 20 years old? Both need to be nurtured. And so those people that might consider contacting Leanne or I, who are over 50 years old, I say to you, before you contact us, look in the mirror, look at yourself, look at the relationship, look at the luggage that you may or may not have accumulated, and, and try really hard to get rid of that luggage and to do a reboot and to treat your relationship from this point forward as a new relationship, as a fresh relationship, and as a relationship that you can feed and grow just as though it's starting right now. Yeah, I, th I think that's great advice. You know, we need to nurture our relationships that we have um, and focus on the positive things in them. You know, because if you've been with someone for many, many years, there's got to be some positive there. Um, and so try focusing on that and nurturing it. And you might be surprised what it does for the relationship. 100%. So that's us. That's a wrap for 2023. And uh, I know I have plans. I hope you have really exciting, relaxing, enjoyable plans, Leanne, for the re weeks to come. And I so look forward to us resuming our Divorce Explained podcasts starting in 2024 with a whole new set of exciting topics to educate our viewers and our followers. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. Uh, Steve, I wish you all the best for the holidays. And to our viewers, I wish each and every one of you all the best for the holidays and health, happiness, and success in 2024. And look forward to seeing you again in 2024. Right on. Be well, everybody. Safe season to y'all. Bye for now. Thanks, bye -bye. everyone. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode of Divorce Explained. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to head on over to Instagram and follow at Steve Benmore and at Leanne Townsend Life for more. And if you're looking for specific divorce services, you can visit benmore.com and leannetownsend.ca. We hope today's episode made you feel informed and inspired as you move along through your divorce journey. Tune in next week for Divorce Explained.